Wow, what a, um, what a privilege and honor it is to be here. Um, firstly, I just want to say this. Having an opportunity like this to share, you know, a pulpit or to have a mic in my hand, I don't take it lightly because I feel like, you know, stewardship from the Lord in preaching, it's, it's so significant because a lot of people, what I'm going to share tonight, they'll base a relationship with the Lord on the words. But I want to start off by saying this, you know, what I'm sharing tonight, whether it's a good preaching or a bad preaching, it's not about the words that I'm releasing, okay? And I want everyone in here to posture yourself with your heart to be in tune with the Spirit because the words that I'm sharing, you know, they will fade away. But the fact is the anointing resides on the words, okay? So paying attention to, I'm preaching the Word of God tonight, and we know that there's truth and life within the Word, okay? Can I get some more volume on my mic, please? Testing a little bit more. Testing one, two, one, two. I think that's better, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Um, this is the word of life, okay? So that it means that every single time we share scripture or we preach the word of God, there's life imparted. Whenever there's been destruction, whenever there's been anything that's been null and void in our lives, because of the word implanted in our lives, all of a sudden it's going to produce life. Amen? Okay? So... The focus is not on me tonight because it doesn't matter my style. It doesn't matter my words, nothing. I want you to guys to pay attention behind the anointing behind the words because that's where life resides. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Are we going to interact tonight? Because I like preaching within. Yeah, amen. Thank you very much. All right. Before, before I want to get into the word, I felt like, there's a few. I saw five people in here specifically. You feel like you've got a prophetic gifting in your life. And you've been crying out for more in the sense of like your hunger to receive more from Jesus and his voice and to understand. If that's five people, it's probably going to be everybody. But I mean, I, felt, I saw specifically five people. You feel that there's a call for the prophetic on your life. But you've been crying out for more. You haven't been satisfied. If that's you, can I just ask you to put, on, put up your hand? Well, okay, that's... You know, you guys can stand up. If any of your other, other people want to stand up as well, it's okay. Because I just felt like the Lord was on that tonight. I just want to pray because I feel like there's going to be an increase in our ability to hear and discern God's voice. But the key to that is going to be through intimacy and worship with Him. Because it's only when we spend time with Him where we get to analyze His voice in the right manner, okay? Anybody else want to stand up? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for the response. We thank you, God, that you honor their faith. And a lot of times, you know, an outward expression of that which happens inwardly is just a solidification of what you want to do. So, Father God, right now, we just thank you for an increase in every single person's life tonight, in the prophetic, in their ability to hear your voice. God, I ask that they'll be rooted and grounded in truth in intimacy, knowing that you are the person that everything stems from and that without you, it's impossible to do anything. So, Father, we thank you right now that there is a transference happening. Holy Spirit, that you will show up in their lives. Oh, Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in their life. And God, I ask that you will raise these people up to be instruments for your kingdom, mouthpieces for your kingdom, that they will re reveal your truth and your love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. Whew. Man, there is such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place tonight. Um, 
So we're going to interact tonight. I feel like I've got a word from the Lord that I want to share and release over you guys. And there's been multiple things this week this, or this weekend that's happened, actually, that's been a confirmation. As Jonathan said, I am from South Africa. Woo! I, I've had the, the privilege, you know, in my short span of life uh, to travel to 11 different nations. My mighty anointing. Um, but South Africa is still my favorite country. Yeah. You know, we have, we have so many different things in our country that's not, that's not right in this moment in time that might look negative. But the thing is, when we plug into the narrative of the kingdom and we view it through his, there's hope. Amen? Yeah. Um, I grew up in Pretoria. I'm Afrikaans. Afrikaans, mensen? Hello? What is uh, the Blowbull fans? Come on. I'm a Blue Bulls fan. I know, you know what, their, their status, not so good, but I'm a Bulls fan. My blood is blue. Amen. Are you a Bulls? No, you're a Lions, bro. Come on. Um, but yeah, I grew up in, I grew up in uh, Pretoria, South Africa. I've got two brothers, and my life got powerfully impacted by the Lord when I was 17 years old. And went into full-time ministry when I was 18, served in full-time ministry for five years, Went to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry for three years. I've been back for almost two years. If you're doing the calculations, you'll probably realize I'm 27. I know I don't look 27, but, you know, it's, I give credit to the Lord, so it's good. Um, but, um, you know what, ever since, ever since BSSM, I came back, I was on a short break for a bit, and then about last year this time, I was with Daniel and the team, and, you know, Daniel prophesied and he gave me a word, and he said that there's acceleration coming to your life, and... I'm going to start traveling more, and I'm walking in the fulfillment of that now. Um, that's what I do now. I'm based in Pretoria, but I do travel itinerant and speak in different nations and bring God's word and truth. And I see, you know, I see so many people impacted, and it's not, it's not something that I take lightly because it's such a privilege to be able to hold a mic and know that you're actually steering people's lives and their relationships with God. Amen. Um, that's why I see this as a tremendous honor and, and privilege to be here tonight. And uh, it's fun, you know, like, life with God is fun. Like, it truly is, you know, like, one of my core values with, with Him is that it needs to be fun, you know. Like, if you can do life with Him that's fun, then I'm not sure what Christian life you're living. You know, and I feel like so often there's so much regulations and rules that we want to impose upon ourselves that we're missing out on just the fun of, like, man, like, I get to do this life with God. Like, He's my Father, and I feel like that's, that's something that massively shifted this last year specifically in my life because I went through a tough season, but then through the refinement process, like there's so much that he revealed of his heart to me and his goodness and understanding that. And what I started realizing is whenever I minister, it's all of a sudden, it's not overanalyzing it so much as I used to because I'm a very analytical person, but it was just like, man, I'm just going to get up there and share my experience that I have with the Father, like, you know, who he is, his love. And... Talking about his love, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Um, because, you know what, like, the love of God, we know it was poured out on us through the Holy Spirit and what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? We can all agree upon that. But the thing that I love about love is it's progressive. And there's so many layers of love. You know, it's like the only explanation, if you have a red onion, I love cooking. Anybody else love cooking in here? Thank you. Yes. And you cut it, there's so many facets, so many layers. And that's the thing with the Lord and His love is, you know, as soon as we think we've discovered something new about Him, 
there's like something else, like that hunger. And I, f I feel like that's what I want to, I want to encourage us in, in love tonight. Because I feel like, you know, oftentimes we get to a place and we feel like we arrived, you know. But the Lord is saying, the thing is that His invitation is always there for more. And all that He's looking for is a response from us to His invitation that's already there. Amen. And that's why love is so many facets to it. Because as soon as we think we get to one place in love, it's like, man, I'm not content. You know, they're like, there's more. I know there's more. And we progress more and we step into more. And there's more love. And then all of a sudden we're like, man, this is awesome, but there's more. Yeah. Amen. And that's the thing. Like, his, his kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. It's, there's no limitations. There's always more with Him. And that's the beauty of it. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to John chapter 13. Now, I feel like this is kind of going to be, you know, if I can put it, the base of my conversation with you guys tonight. Because honestly, that's what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not here to preach a phenomenal message. I'm here to start a conversation that I believe in each one of our lives is going to carry on through the rest of our lives. Or at least that's what I'm hoping for tonight is the conversation I'm starting tonight. You know, you will continue to have with the Lord for the rest of your life. Because love doesn't stop at one place. Love is continual. Amen. Is anybody getting this tonight? Man, I feel the anointing is so strong in this place. Whoa, shakarava. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, shakarava. So who's in John chapter 13? Grace, grace upon grace upon grace. Amen. Um, so the narrative for tonight is love. That's it. Love, the love of God. And before I read this verse... Um, I want to just give a little backdrop. How many of you guys have heard it preached in church? And I hear it so often around the world is love your neighbor as you love yourself. How many? I still hear it now. And I'm like, oh, my word. Like, you know, it, that's truth. It's in the Bible. You know, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, it's, it's, in, it's in the word of God. But the Lord, the Lord revealed to me a couple of years ago, you know, it's probably four or five years ago, there was a different facet. I was reading John chapter 13, the one, and all of a sudden when I came to this verse, I just stopped. And I was like, man, there's something more about this. And I want to read it to you guys because I feel like it's going to put in perspective what I want to say. It's John 13, 34. Um, I'm going to read from 33. It says, little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and, I say to the, as, I, and as I say to the Jews... Now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. And then verse 34, this is the foundation of my message. A new commandment I give to you is that you love one another even as I have loved you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, I want to kind of talk about, you know, the topic about the old commandment versus the new. Because the old commandment in the law said to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says in John 13, that's what I love about Jesus. Whenever there was something, he always rocks up to the narrative and he challenges it because there's a greater level of truth with him. Amen. And he, he rocks up and he says, a new commandment I give you is to love your neighbor as I first loved you. Is somebody getting where I'm going? Okay. Now the profound part about this is there's nothing wrong with loving your neighbor like you love yourself. But the love that you give away, if you don't understand your identity in Christ, your righteousness, and His love exposed towards you, you will never be able to be in a place to reveal the love from heaven and what He has to other people if you do not understand that first. 
Amen? Does that make sense? If, if I don't know who I am in Christ, how can I expect to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, and reveal who He is? Because the King comes with a kingdom, and the kingdom is in order, okay? And oftentimes we seek the King without His kingdom. But it's, it's a dualistic viewpoint because you can't have the person without the order, and you can't have the order without the person. Because he's, he's a king who reigns over a kingdom. And we pursue the king some, sometimes and not the order that comes with the kingdom. And with his kingdom, there's structure. There's love. You know, all the promises in God's word comes with that. So the new commandment is, Jesus is saying, love your neighbor as I first loved you. What is he essentially saying? He's saying that, you know, the same love that he had towards us is we need to plug into that. And that's the love that we show and reveal to other people. Can I get four people just to come stand here in one line, please? Just four volunteers very quickly. And what it, what it kind of looks like is, is, is I can love Jojo, you know, under the old commandment as much as I love myself. Okay? But if it's not plugged into God's narrative, it's always going to fall short. So I want to propose to you guys that loving ourselves or our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, if we do not understand it, it's always going to be selfish love. And the reason I'm saying that is, how many of you guys wake up and you just have an off day? How many of you guys wake up like I did today and I'm super tired? Okay? So if, if we base our love and our acceptance towards somebody else on how much we love ourselves, if we don't understand how much God loves us first, and our love is selfish, I can wake up tomorrow morning and have an off day and I can be walking out in the mall and, you know, trying to be who Jesus called me to be. And the Lord can stop me and say, like, hey, listen, there's a son of mine, and I want you to go express my love to him, to reveal a facet of who I am, give him a word of, and I can, I can make excuses if, if it's based on me. Um, I can say, like, God, I didn't sleep last night. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. And I can neglect an opportunity to reveal who Christ is to him if it's based upon me. Justified. Okay. Because it's selfish. You, you see, the old commandment, that's what I love. The old commandment is not wrong, but Jesus comes and he's giving us a step up, an invitation for more. And that's what Jesus always does. He always gives us more. Okay? Because he challenges the narrative of our lives. As soon as we think that we are comfortable, Jesus rocks up and he challenges that to say, like, listen, there's more. I want you to step into more. So now, essentially what it looks like, Jesus is, I want you to love your neighbor as much as I love you. So what does that mean? He becomes the, the chain, the link, the funnel through which we view every single person. So if this is a person, this is Jesus, and there's another person. So now all of a sudden, I need to love my brother as much as Christ first loved me. This is what happens. The lenses through which we funnel our love has to be Jesus Christ. And the word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have your everlasting life. And Christ laid down his life so that we can step into the fullness of love. So I want to propose that the love in the commandment of John 13, 34 is selfless love. Because it's not based on me. It's not based on my feelings. It's not based on how I feel, what I've done, what I haven't done. It's based on who Jesus is, what he thinks about my brother, his love. He becomes the funnel, the lens, the scope through which we view it and reveal Christ's love to the world. I mean, you guys can sit down. Thank you very much. I don't know why I got four. <laughs> Is that making sense to you guys? Colossians 3. 
Colossians 3.14 says this, Shakaraba. It says, I'm going to, verse 13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other who has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And then verse 14, he says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You see, if we operate in selfless love, we cannot have unity in our lives. We cannot have unity with our peers because there will always be a divide of my opinion versus that person's opinion of what I think about this person versus what that person thinks about me. But if we make Jesus Christ the funnel and we base our love on other people based on how much He loved us, then we are out of the equation. So now the next time that the Lord speaks to you, like, hey, listen, I want you to love on that person, you don't have a say to say anymore, listen, I don't feel like doing, doing that right now because it's like, hold on, would Jesus lay down His life? For that person? How dare I now all of a sudden say that he paid with his life and now I want to withhold an encounter of his love and his kingdom from that person based on how I feel. Amen? Come on. I feel it. This is awesome. This is good. This is good. Jesus is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And now I love this. This is if you if you you can turn to First John chapter four. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. I love this because this is at the end of the apostle John's life. He's um, in exile on Patmos, and this you know first, second, and third John is kind of a synopsis of his life, and he's kind of reiterating or rehitting certain points what he wrote in the book of John, and. This is what he has to say in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live, what? Through Him. A new commandment I give to you is to love your neighbor as much as Christ first loved you. So that what we might live through Him. It is selfless love. And I feel like so much, so, so many of us or the church, we stop at the commandment of love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. But if I continue to look at myself, it's going to be hard for me to extend love to my neighbor. Yeah, that's right. We'll continually justify our motives, whatever our intent. Does this make sense to anybody? We need to live through Him. What did he do? He went to the cross. He laid down his life for us so that we can what? Step into the abundance, the Ephesians 3.20 life, the life without, without any limitations. There's no limits with him. But if I limit my love and my ability to love myself or other people, it's, there's, there will always be limits. But with him, he's like, love your neighbor as much as I first loved you. And what's that? That's sacrificial. That means getting down in the dirt. That means actually being uncomfortable. And I feel like so often, so often, God is speaking to ourselves and people. We're standing in church and we're like, listen, we're like, Jesus, I want to I be a mouthpiece for you. I want you to use me. And then what happens on Monday morning in the shopping center? And Jesus is like, listen, that son over there, I want you to share my life with him. And we're like, no, I didn't have a good night's sleep tonight. I'm not going to do that. Justify. That's right. And then what happens next Sunday? We're in worship. Jesus, thank you. You're so awesome. Please use me. Send me to the nations. Whew. Man, Jesus is awesome. 
Jesus is so, so, so awesome. <sighs> you see, we cannot justify ourselves if we do not have the narrative or the right narrative of narrative of Jesus. And I feel like we even do this evangelizing. This is another one. We, 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 we evangelize with an agenda because we feel like we feel like the highest thing is at the end of the day is to have a scorecard of like how many people got saved? Eight people got saved. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. And this happened to me in Korea. I was in South Korea about four years ago and the Lord revealed a word of knowledge to me. We're at the University of South Korea and I saw a lady with, with, a, with a red blazer on and I'm walking on the grounds. We were out with the missions team and I'm like, Lord, where's this person? And I walked and walked and walked, and I got to this one courtyard, and I saw the exact same picture of word of knowledge that the Lord gave me. I saw the lady sitting there with a red jacket on. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, clearly, you showed me this person for a reason. So I walk up to her with two other team members, and we're starting to share, you know, just about who we are, why we're there. We're just praying for people and all this stuff. And during the conversation, it pops up, this person is a Muslim. She's not a believer. And, you know, I went in there with, with no agenda. And that's the thing with love. Love never has an agenda. Love is selfless. If it's selfish, there's an agenda behind love. Amen? So I went in there, and, and, and I'm just sharing. I'm just sharing about my life. I'm not questionizing it. And I'm sitting there the whole time, and this person, like, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for her boyfriend that was with her. He had back pain. I prayed for his back. His back got healed. She's stunned. He's stunned. It's like, holy Jesus, what's happening? But, and I'm sitting there, and the whole time she's so close to like, I can feel the tipping point for her to give her life to Jesus Christ. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, Jesus, what is, what is the hook, line, and sinker to get her a soul saved? And the Holy Spirit stopped me. And this might be controversial to some of you guys, but just hear me out. He said, why do you feel the need that you need to get her saved today? And he said, isn't you leaving her with an encounter of my love and a different perspective of who I am more than enough? And I was like, whoa, that is a completely different narrative compared to what I've, what, what I've had. Because I feel so, so many times we have an agenda behind love or even with evangelizing. And you know what ended up happening that day? We ended up praying for them. And after praying for them, she didn't give her heart to Jesus. But this is what she said. She said, we have many Christian people come to the University of South Korea and evangelizing. And they always share and they tell us we're, they were sitting smoking. And as soon as we sat down, they're like, do you, want, do you guys want us to put out your cigarette? I'm like, listen, smoke. I don't care. And at the end of the day, after we prayed, this is what they said. They said, we have so many, so many Christian people come evangelize at the university for years now. And all of, every time they tell us, listen, you need to stop smoking. You need to repent from sin. They're like, but we've never encountered anybody like you. We've never encountered anybody that did not have an agenda. You see, here's, here's the interest, interesting, interesting thing. <laughs> here is the interesting thing. Love does not have an agenda because it is selfless. But the Word promises us that love, what? Never fails and never gives up. And our responsibility is to steward that. Loving our neighbor as much as he first loved us. Understanding our acceptance, our love that he has for us. Not our love, his love for us. Operating out of that, living through him, and actually revealing who he is to other people. Without an agenda, 
but actually entrusting love, the seed of love in that person's life and entrusting the Holy Spirit. Because you know what I can assure you is going to happen? Maybe perhaps, I don't know what happened to that Muslim lady, but she had an experience with me. And maybe a week later, she had an experience with somebody else that was similar or a similar belief. And two, three, four months down the line, all of a sudden she's in her, by herself in her own room like, Lord Jesus, I want to accept you into my heart. Because there was no agenda. And I feel like so often because of the secular sacred divide, we try and infiltrate the word, but the world, but we, we Christianize it with an agenda. Instead of activating people where they are in their God-given assignment. You know, Habakkuk 2.14 talks about the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord. Are we seeing that today? We're not. If we can honestly say that. And then Isaiah says, arise and shine for your light has come. And what? The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That means each and every single one of us in here tonight, we have a facet of God's glory that we get to reveal in culture and society. Amen? Is this hitting home to somebody tonight? I hope so. So I'm going to read on. It says, In this love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. I always struggle with that word. Propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. Once again, love your neighbor as much as I first loved you. It's selfless, not selfish. The more we focus on self, it's always going to be selfish and we're going to be, not be able to produce an, an unadulterated part of who Jesus is and His love to other people. Amen? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. We have come to know and have believed the love God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in Him. By this, love is perfected within us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as He is, so also are we in this world. What is the two facets of Jesus' ministry? See, he, always he always led with presence and love. And so often we try to lead with justice first and then love later. What happened to the woman caught in adultery? The accuser standing before her, accusing her for being caught in the act of adultery. They come before Jesus, you know, accusing her. Jesus looks up at them. He's like, oh, continues riding in the ground. And then he tells them this. He appeals to the conscience of man and he says, whoever among you does not have sin, cast the first stone. And what happens? They drop their stones, their accusation. You see, when love rocks up, our accusations towards other people does not have a place in our hands. It cannot be a weapon that we use against other people. It's not a place where we get the opportunity or the privilege to withhold love because love compels us. It comes from Him. And if we want to be people of His presence, 
living unadulterated lives, holy lives, we have that responsibility to steward loves and love from him that which is pure. And what does Jesus do next? She turns to him and she says, Jesus, like, I'm paraphrasing, bro, aren't you going to accuse me? And he's like, where's your accusers? She looks around. She's like, oh, they dropped their stones, but now I'm standing before the Son of God, Jesus. And what does he tell her? Neither do I condemn you. Therefore, go and sin no more. You see, the style of Jesus is he led with mercy and love. And justice followed. I feel like so often we lead with justice and then love. Instead of love and letting justice follow. Amen. The love revealed in that moment empowered her to overcome her sin. And she actually became one of Jesus' followers. You see, it's love and purity that we have on display for other people that's going to empower them to get out of their sin, to get out of their mistakes. But what happens? We, we meet people, we get them to the church, and we want people saved, but we want them to be cleaned out immediately. And we put parameters on them. <laughs> and we say, you've got to conform to this little Christian box. And they end up feeling like, Lord, I'm on a journey. I, I, like, I want to clean up my life. But I feel disenfranchised in the place where I'm supposed to be, feel safe. But I'm sorry, guys. I'm not a hypocrite. Jesus encountered me. But it was a journey of purification and sanctification that got me to be where I am. And it is a continual journey. It is continual. Because His love reveals something and He's got patience and He exposes it and He prunes it. And then there's something else. It's a journey. But so often we immediately when people come to the Lord, we're like, listen, in order for you to receive love, you've got to get all of this stuff cleaned out first. But that's not the style of Jesus. And if we want to love our neighbor the way that he first loved us, we need to understand that justice has to follow leading love. Amen. Shikaraba. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. What is he talking about? He's talking about the opportunity. We walk, we live by faith. And we, how does it go? We walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? So we haven't seen God in the full manner of his presence, but we have experienced his love. And we see our brothers with the opportunity to steward the precious gift of love that Jesus Christ gave us. We are walking encounters of the King and His kingdom. And we have the responsibility to steward that in such a pure essence. That's why worship is key. Intimacy is key. I heard somebody once say, what we behold, we become. A.W. Tozer said the first thought about God that comes into your mind is the most important part of you. If you think that God is a God of condemnation, you're going to live and view everything in life through the lenses of condemnation. If you view Him as a person of love and an entity of love, everything that happens in your life is going to be based, life is going to be based through His love. If we view people as projects, we're going to withhold the true nature of Christ's love to change that person's life. It's got to be filtered through intimacy because it's when we spend time with Him that's when we get to understand the heart of the king. If I've got a best friend or a brother close to me, I can assume who this person is. I can know him on paper, 
But it's only through our communication, through our spending time abiding together that I actually get to know the person. Where I can walk away and testify when people say bad things about a friend of mine. And like, no, I know that person. That's not his character because I know him. And that's the same with Jesus. We cannot reveal the love of Jesus if we're not spending time with him. That's why I would say the bedrock of our faith, the bedrock of love, it's got to be connected to love, to intimacy. It's vertical alignment first before there's horizontal influence. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How am I doing on time? I just want to... Okay, I'll wrap this up. Man, His love is just relentless. First John 5, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ, is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Why? If you do a study on this, the commandment that he's talking about there links up with John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you is to love your neighbor as much as Christ loved you. Why is it not burdensome? Because love has no agenda. Love is selfless. The greatest gift of love that we ever received is Jesus Christ willingly laying down and sacrificing his life so that we can step into abundance so that we can be made right. And I don't care who you are here tonight. Maybe you've fallen short. Maybe you're, you're not walking in perfect unity right now. And you feel like maybe you're distant from Christ's love. And I feel like so often we, we want to come back into the kingdom. We want to make our lives right. But the story of the prodigal son returning. You know, the father stands ready waiting for the child to come back home. But I feel like oftentimes... We know that the word says that Jesus Christ is the firstborn. He's our older brother. And I feel like a lot of times we view Jesus, his response when we come into the kingdom is going to be the older brother's response when we come back to the Father because the Father is standing ready with open arms to embrace us. You see, Jesus is not the older brother in Luke 15. Jesus is not jealous when we come back. He's not threatened by us, but He celebrates us. He celebrates the celebration of somebody returning home. Amen? Whew. I just feel I want to read this quickly. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Are we doing all right? John chapter 4, it's the woman of Samaria. I'm going to quickly read through this. It says, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman. For Jews have, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. Living water. Our union with him creates living water in us, life continually. Amen? It's unity. Unity with him. Unity is key, but we cannot have unity without love. It's the connection. It works together. So often we seek unity in the church as well and unity in our lives. But love is missing. We've got to get plugged into the right narrative 
of what his definition of love is. Amen. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst. Oh, sorry. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with me, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You're not greater than Father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go call your husband and come. And this is what I want to focus on. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. This is such a picture of Jesus' life because his love. Because in, in the story, it's not, it's, you know, in, in, in Samaritan customs, a woman wasn't allowed to separate the husband or separate from the husband. In their culture, it was illegal to do that. So Jesus is not appealing the fact that she had five husbands and she's now living with somebody. He's appealing to her brokenness because she's had five people walk out of her life. She is seeking something. She's only been rejected. And now all of a sudden there's a man on the scene who's not allowed according to Jewish customs to interact with them. But he's extending love to her. He's saying, listen, if you drink of the water that I give you, that you're going to have living waters for the rest of your life. He appealed to her brokenness, to her desperate state, her rejection. He said, listen, here I am. If you partake of me, I can fill that void in your heart. Amen? You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Women, believe me, an hour is coming when, when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is not looking for worship, but he's looking for worshipers. He's looking for people of presence. Because he knows in presence is the connection of the narrative of his love that we get to display to the world. Amen? God is spirit and those who worship him in spirit must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to you, I who speak to you am he. At this point, and I'm going to end with this. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot. This is what I'm emphasizing. This is what I want to hit home tonight. So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out to the city and were coming to him. The woman left her water pot. The very fact where she sat every single day to receive life from, to draw from, Jesus walks up and all of a sudden he gives her the very thing she was hungry for. Her thirst and her, her desire, her place of rejection, her place of 
mediocrity. He encountered it in that place. But what happened? That love compeller to actually say, listen, my place of comfort over here right now, I'm willing to leave this to go tell other people about his love, the love that just encountered me. Whew. And what ended up happening? A whole city got evangelized because of one person's response to the love that she just received. Loving other people, revealing that love to Jesus Christ. And I want to invite us all to stand up tonight. And I feel like, I feel like it's more, what I want to do tonight is it, it's, more, it, it's more a call of repentance. And it's, it's, you know what Romans 12 verse 2 says, it talks about do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which in essence says that if we can have a transformed mind to the truth of God's word, his standard, his love, what he says to be true, that it will actually have a ripple effect so we can live a transformed life. Renewal of the mind will lead to a transformed life. And with so much stuff happening in society, so much stuff happening in culture, there is a mold that the world wants to box us in. There's a mold that wants to try and define what love is. And if we look to that and we conform to that mold, that is going to have its effect upon our lives. We are going to live out of that place. But when we get plugged in to the source where it all comes from, to unity, we can get to experience that purification of love. And we get in all purity, be able, we're able to steward that and to reveal it to other people. Amen? Can I get some background music? Just make me sound more anointed. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, the Lord is going to roar over this nation. The Lord is going to roar over this nation. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I want to present you guys with an opportunity. And, you know, more often than not, when we take a step out in faith, it's, it's just solidifying what happens inwardly. And it's an outward expression of that which happens inwardly, solidifies things in our life. And the invitation I want to present to you guys tonight, if, if you've had a wrong narrative or perspective of God's love, and perhaps this is the first time you've heard this angle, like I said, it's an onion, there's multiple layers, and, and what I'm just presenting, I'm starting a conversation which you have the privilege to continue for the rest of your life with Jesus and your personal relationship. I'm not here to say I know everything. Um, I'm just sharing from what the Lord has shared with me and the expression of my life. But if, if, you're, if you're in here and you feel that this word touched you tonight, you feel encouraged, um, or perhaps on the other end, you feel like you've, you've understood God's love, but you feel like you've kind of dropped the ball. That you have not stewarded His love well or to the degree that He wants you to steward that. I'm going to give you an invitation to respond and if you want to you can come to the front um, myself and the team would love to lay hands on you but I feel like it's more you know repentance in essence is just changing the way we think and I feel like for a lot of this it's just a change in mindset that we have so that we can get you know the renewing of the mind that will lead to a transformed life so that we can live transformed lives compelled by God's love why? for the purpose of revealing His glory in and through the earth because we can't expect to be the salt of the earth, which is, you know, preservers of culture and society. We can't expect to be the light of the world, revealing who He is, if our narrative of Christ is not in the right place. It has to be plugged into the correct source in unity. 
So if that's you, I'd love to come, love you to come to the front. I'm just going to open the invitation and let the worship music play.